So I'm going to throw you guys a little curveball this morning to kind of keep you on your toes. And we're going to depart just slightly from the scheduled gospel reading for today because in, in, just in my opinion, uh, the composers of the lectionary shouldn't have skipped over it. Now, of course, in, in their defense, the story uh, that we're going to read this morning does come back around a little later when we get to Luke's gospel and his account of our Lord's life and ministry. But we won't get there until sometime in late 2023, so I think, I think we're, we're going to step off the track just a little bit for this message. But that's okay, because remember, the lectionary is a tool, and it's not a rule. Okay? It's a tool, not a rule. And I like what one commentator said. He said, the lectionary was never meant to be a forced march, but rather a path that each year would walk the church through her festivals and chief doctrines of faith. But like any good walk, occasional side trips only enhance the journey. I like that. So we're going to enhance the journey today and take a little side trip. Uh, so even though the assigned reading for today starts halfway through uh, chapter 5, we're going to pick up the story right where we left off last week in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. I hope you have your Bibles with you. We'll follow along. So we're reading the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, crying out in a loud voice. He said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man in one clean spirit. Jesus asked him, What is your name? replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep banks into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. People came to see what it was that had happened. They came to see Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. He did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marked him. Brothers and sisters, that's the word of the Lord to us today. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you so much for uh, this time to be together to open your word. We thank you for... <clears throat> The story from the Gospel of Mark, strange as it is, unusual as it is, eerie 
as it is, Lord, we know that you have a message for us. And so, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit uh, would superintend everything that's said and done in the service, that your name alone will be glorified. Help us, Father, uh, in these next just very brief moments to set aside thoughts of, of self and of, of work and of all the things that we have on our, our list to do when we get out of here. Uh, and just focus our hearts and minds on you because we want to see Jesus this morning. We ask it in his name. You know, I was thinking when I wrote this sermon, it could have been titled From Bad to Worse and Back Again. Because right? this text that we read actually sits in the middle of several pretty hopeless situations. Do you remember just prior to today's events, Jesus and his disciples were out on the boat in the sea during this tremendous storm that we looked at last week. And if you remember, the disciples were just absolutely certain that they were going to die. And if you read ahead, you know the next two sections after this reading are the tragic story of a dead preteen daughter and the even sadder story of an older woman with a debilitating hemorrhage of blood. So today's account is right in the middle of some pretty sad circumstances. And even it was no picnic at the beach, was it? As Jesus crosses the lake, this time going in a different direction and moves into a whole new impossibly difficult human drama uh, arriving just as it's beginning to get dark in of all things a generally avoided Gentile settlement at least if you're a good Jewish boy where his only welcoming committee consisted of a crazy demon possessed man and if that setting wasn't awful enough we have the added element of eeriness in that the spot where they landed is also a cemetery now, that sounds like the setup for a horror movie As the story opens, we're told that this man Jesus met was held fast in the grip of evil and that he, he lived in a perpetual state of utter desperation and depravity because he has an unclean spirit. And then we find out that he's not just home to one foul spirit, but he's possessed by a whole legion of demons. And if you remember your ancient history from your high school days, a legion was a large division of soldiers in the Imperial Roman Army. And you know, the actual number of warriors in the legion vary from time to time and from era to era. Uh, in the context of the first century era of Jesus, a standard Roman legion consisted of about 6,000 men. So this guy with the legion of demons was in pretty bad shape. And those demons that were in him drove him away from the world of the living to spend his life among the dead. And, you know, really, I think to get this, you have to kind of imagine it in context. Uh, because the cemetery we're talking about is not like the ones we're used to today. Right? You know, the ones with the, the beautifully manicured lawns and uh, the lines of neat rows of marble headstones. And, you know, they're intersected with these beautiful pathways and covered pavilions. Uh, it was nothing like that. In fact, in those days, most people were not even buried in the ground like we do today. Uh, instead, the tombs for the majority of people, for the poor um, working class families, were carved into the hillside. Uh, or were set back in caves where the bodies were placed sometimes in piles uh, as family members died over generations until there were just these, these stacks and stacks of bones beneath the decaying corpses of the newly dead. And naturally, because of the putrid smell, and the potential for disease, these places were always well beyond the city limits in desolate out-of-the-way areas. So that was this man's home. 
We're also told that in the nearby uh, towns, the people there around him tried to restrain him, probably for a couple of reasons. One, because he was a menace. Having him lurking around in the cemetery, screaming and, and carrying on and cutting himself would prevent people from coming with a, a new internment. Somebody that just, just worked past. Would have kept them from mourning the lost or from paying their respects to their departed loved ones. And also, presumably, on the part of whatever family and friends this poor man had left from his previous life, to try to protect the man from doing any more harm to himself. And so from time to time, they would have somebody catch him and try to restrain him. We're told that they would bind him with fetters and with chains with shackles. Right? You guys know what shackles are. They would have attached them to his feet and chains that would have bound his hands and his arms and wrapped around his torso. But these man-made restraints couldn't hold him. They couldn't keep him from continuing to hurt himself. And so day after day, year after year, month after month, he kept on haunting the cemetery. All to the annoyance, of course, of the city officials, of the frustration of the citizens, and, and presumably, uh, you know, the fear of every little type trying to avoid bedtime, whose uh, tired parents probably told them they better behave or the two monsters going to get you. <laughs> but, you know, that's really where our story starts to take on a more personal connection with this terribly troubled man, because, you know, brothers and sisters, not a very much of a hard leap from the horrifying conditions uh, of this man to the state of lost folks living around us, right? Because if you think about it, they're trapped too. They're trapped in the same pitiful immorality and sin that this man was because it's the same evil that possesses the heart of every lost soul that you have ever come across. That's what drives them to spend their days and to waste their years with the dead things of this world. And, and you know, when, when you stop and look around, have you ever noticed what a culture of death that we live in? Noticed. Almost, almost every primetime TV show we've talked about this a lot involves murder and rape and torture and madness, right? And, and, and let me just add here that for us, for, for us professing believers, we need to examine our hearts when we begin to desire and to enjoy uh, things that glorify the works of darkness rather than the kingdom of Christ. And that's our entertainment, right? We have to be careful about what goes in because once something is seen, it can't ever be unseen. And once something is heard, the brain, at least subconsciously, never deletes it. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not condemning all movies and all television as a whole. But you really have to wonder if we don't in some ways desensitize ourselves to violence and evil when we take in a steady diet of it day after day as entertainment and night after night as a way to wind down before we go to bed. And it's not only TV and movies. Take a look at um, popular images of, of like car window decals that are out there, or t-shirts, or tattoos, right? They're, what, predominantly skulls, and, and bones, and horror images, right? Just, just be on the lookout for this week, and you'll, you'll notice it if you haven't before. But that's the world we live in. And the Bible tells us why. John chapter 3 said, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. For anyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Because you see, 
lost people choose sin over the Savior because their hearts are dark. And they're hard. And they're deceived. And they're totally given over to the pursuit of evil. But you know what, church? We also need to remember that but for the grace of God, we would be in that exact same position. But for the grace of God, you and I would be there too. Because, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And what comes next? such for some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that's where it takes us back into the text, right? Because remember, everybody in the region feared this demon-possessed man. They, they fled in terror when he came. They trembled in their houses at the sound of his shrieks of torment at night. Children were warned to take a wide berth around the cemetery. Everybody avoided this man, everybody that is but Jesus. Jesus went to him. Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus cared about the condition he was in, and Jesus was moved to do something about it, even though he had absolutely no reason to. Remember, this man wasn't even a Jew, he was a Gentile. So he was unclean to begin with, even if he hadn't been demon-possessed. And still the Lord reached out to him because, brothers and sisters, Jesus sees people with a different set of eyes than we do. We like to see people's faults and their disfigurements and their insanities and their tantrums and their lies. But Jesus sees instead what he'd already planned to make of that person's life. And, and he sees how he intended to remold the image of God that they had marred in themselves. And aren't you glad he does that for us too? Because Romans, 8, or Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as I said in Wednesday night Bible study, aren't you glad that verse doesn't say, when we got our life all cleaned up? Or when we started acting right? Or when we defeated all of our own demons, that Christ died for us? No. He made the first move while we were still all messed up. Just like this crazy cemetery-dwelling demon-possessed man who now runs to the Lord Jesus and falls at his feet, not because he has everything all figured out, or because he's suddenly tired of the cemetery, or because he was ready to change, but rather because of who it was that stepped onto that shore. Because brothers and sisters, even the demons knew. In fact, they knew better than the disciples did who this was that was walking up now on the beach and they fell down in acknowledgement of his deity. Because brothers and sisters, at the presence of Jesus, every knee in heaven and earth has to bow. And we're told that this demoniac crying out in a loud voice said to him, uh, this is in the NIV translation, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to me by God that you won't torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And so Jesus confronts the demons, ordering them to release they're captive. The demons, acknowledging the power and authority of Jesus, beg him not to torment them. That is, they beg him not to send them to hell early, not to punish them before the last judgment actually comes. And so the demons then request that they might be allowed to enter 
into a herd of pigs that was feeding nearby, and Jesus gives his permission. And they leave the body of the man, and they enter into the swine. And when they do, these poor dumb animals, not being able to tolerate the evil of these demons, kill themselves by running into the sea. Uh, and as one tongue-in-cheek commentator wrote, all committing suicide. <laughs> Were, were tending the herd, went and told the, their masters in the town what had happened. 
So the townsfolk come out to see a course for themselves. And when they arrived and heard the details, and they could see the evidence of a redeemed life right before their eyes. This, this changed man who was no longer running around. He's not crying out. He's not, he's not cutting himself. He's calm. And he's clothed. And he's seated by his Savior in his right mind. But instead of being happy that this formerly crazy character is now converted spiritually and physically and mentally, they got scared. They got scared of the actual impact that Jesus made on a life. But church, that's how salvation works, isn't it? Because you know what? No one can meet Jesus and remain unchanged. Yeah. I, I heard a pastor say once, and I've told you guys several times in Bible study, uh, a true encounter with Jesus is like being hit by a Mack truck. But you never look the same again after that. Because he forever changes all those who come to him. And this demon-possessed man is now the living picture of complete salvation that Jesus brings to the converted sinner. But yeah, as I said, not everyone likes seeing that kind of change when it happens for someone. And we know that because... As we read, malevolent forces now move toward Jesus again, but this time not from the unclean spirits, but from the unhappy townsfolk. And they beg Jesus to depart from their region. And don't miss the similarity in the words used to record these two different encounters, right? The demons beg Jesus, and now the city begs Jesus, not to save them, but to leave them alone. And they gave Jesus the boot. And the news of what Jesus had done should have provoked a response of praise and faith and repentance. But that didn't happen, did it? Except for one man. We read as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You see, this man was so grateful. And so thankful for Jesus delivering him from the possession of demons. He wanted to go on the ship with him. Follow him wherever he went. And who could blame him? But Jesus wouldn't let him. Because he had bigger plans for him. So rather than letting, him, uh, letting the man go with him, Jesus sent the man back on a 10-city evangelistic crusade. He was to go home to his wife and to his children and to his neighbors and his relatives and his friends and tell him the great things the Lord had done for him. And immediately, we're told, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You see, everywhere this man went all through the Decapolis, which, which means ten cities, he told everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him. And when he did, and they remembered how this man had deserted his family and lived in the tombs in the graveyard. They remembered him running around naked. They remembered how violent this man was to others and to himself. And now they saw the same truth that the Apostle Paul would later pen in 2 Corinthians 5. that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And brothers and sisters, just as Jesus sent this man on a mission to go home and tell of the goodness of God, he's telling us to do the same thing today. To go out from here today and tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ. To go and tell somebody that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. To go and tell somebody that they can be saved and have eternal life and be freed from their sins, even if those sins are legion. 
And it happens when they hear the voice of the master. The voice that heals the sick. The voice that calms the storm. The voice that casts out demons and closes cemeteries, as he says to our sin-sick hearts, repent and believe the gospel. We pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the story of your, your healing uh, of this demon-possessed man. We thank you, Lord, because it gives us hope that whatever demons or, or sins or, uh, or things are plaguing us in our lives, Lord, that you have authority over them to cast them out, and we ask you to do that now in your precious name. We ask you, Lord, that uh, if there's even one here today or, or one hearing this message that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, uh, that you would open their eyes, that you would unbind their hearts, even as you unbound this demon-possessed man, you would allow them to hear the truth and reality of the gospel. Help them to feel uh, just the overwhelming sense of your presence and draw them, Lord, into a uh, close relationship with you. We ask you, Lord, to be with all of us as we go out this week. Uh, help us, Father, to, to spread your message. Help us to share our story, Lord, because our story is the same as, as this demon-possessed man. Uh, once we were bound, once we were blind, but now we can see. Thank you so much for that. And we ask all of these things in your precious and holy